This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Before your baby arrives, you envision what kind of parent you would like to be. When your baby is born, you may struggle with the fact that your reality with baby is not what you thought. Today, we're continuing our series on delayed postpartum depression by focusing on expectations, how we create them, and how to manage them. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop? Seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of Indu Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We'll send you updates every time a new episode is released. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us an iTunes review so other parents can find us. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with newbies. All right. So we are always looking for new moms and even dads. We don't want to leave out the dads. If you want to get involved with newbies, there's lots of ways to do so. But we would love to have you guys on the show. We know that you guys are listening to us week after week. I love every month when I'm able to log on and see that our download numbers are going up and up, which is awesome. So we want you to be part of the show. And the best way to do that is to find out about our tapings. So if you go on our website at newmommymedia.com, you can basically... If you go to a section that's just focused on parents and how you guys can get involved, there's an online application that you fill out. And we have you do that just to learn a little bit more about you so we can reach out to you if there are topics that might be a good fit for you. And you can also reach out to us. So the best way to do that is exactly on that same page I was just telling you about with that online application form. There's a link to our Facebook group. And that is where we post all of our topics and times, the dates, everything you would need to know about our tapings. And you'll get an email every time we're planning a new taping. It'll list out all of our topics and the different times that we're going to be recording. And then it's super easy to join the conversation. You basically just need your computer, a strong internet connection, and the Google Chrome browser. And if you got those things and you're interested in participating, then you can be part of our show. So reach out to us, let us know you're interested, and we'll get you involved. All right, let's meet our mamas joining our conversation today. Priya, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your experience with today's topic. Sure. So my name is Priya Namard, and I am the co-founder of Moms Pump Here. It's an app moms can download for free to find places to breastfeed and breast pump around the world. And I'm a mom of three. I'm happily married. I live in New York. And I wanted to be a part of today's discussion because I actually experienced this with my daughter. She's my second child. And I, she was born back in 2004. 
right before I got married. And it was really, really tough for me. And then I had her. I went on a really like extreme diet for two months to lose weight to fit into the dress. And then I got married in June. And, you know, I, I felt like I was angry all the time after I had her. And it's funny because before this podcast, I met, I met my husband. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I went through a lot of ups and downs, both with the pregnancy, my expectations when she was born. And then, you know, afterwards, it was just, you know, constantly being upset and angry, ups and downs. And, you know, I thought this is a great topic to um, be part of today because of my experience with her. Well, it's great to have you. And Nina? I'm from North Carolina. I have a little boy that's four and a half. And I am an infant toddler family specialist. I work with children and their families. And I go all over where I am in Greensboro and help them in their homes. I had severe postpartum depression and anxiety that was diagnosed when my child was about seven months And it took about two years, honestly, to really get on this upward journey. It's still a journey. Um, But I'm so excited that we're talking about expectations today because I think that that had so much to do with what happened with me in postpartum is I had an emergency C-section and that was not part of of the plan. And then I couldn't breastfeed and that was definitely not part of the plan. So um, I'm glad that we're talking about expectations today. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, so before we start our discussion today, we're gonna we're gonna take a nice little break and talk about an app, and hopefully this this app is going to calm all of you as we start this conversation. It's actually called Calm, so if it doesn't calm you, there's a problem, right? So this is actually available on iTunes and Android, I believe Android as well, and so. It's called Calm. It's, it's brought to you by Calm.com. There's a theme here. Uh, it helps you meditate, relax, breathe, and enjoy life a little bit more, which I think we can all use as new moms and everything that we're going through, whether or not you're specifically suffering from some sort of postpartum stress and a, you know, a mental health condition. I think that all of us can benefit from this. So the way it works, you download it, obviously. And the idea, it's, first of all, it's very, very soothing <laughs> when you first open the app, you hear these calming sounds. And I think the the default is to take you to this like beach scene and you hear the waves and it's just very, very relaxing. And so, um, in fact, here, here's, here's the waves. I don't know if you guys can hear it. And I'm, I'm enjoying this beautiful beach scene right now. So yeah, so I have the app open now and the idea is just, you can go through a guided meditation 
Or you can just kind of have the sound effects and the scene, whatever scene. You can choose different backgrounds to be able to, uh, whatever your preference is. Uh, there's a beach, there are clouds, there's a fireplace, planet Earth, summer meadow, foggy stream, whatever whatever you want, right? And um, the, the idea is just to take some time. And, and I think there's a bunch of different times that you could do. Like there's a three-minute meditation, a seven-minute, 10, 15. And it just kind of guides you through stuff if that's what you would like. So. So there is a free version, which is what I downloaded today, but there are subscriptions as well. And I believe, you know, it's just other scenery that you can download. It, there's other guided meditations that are perhaps a little bit more in depth. And uh, you can purchase either a monthly subscription or a yearly subscription. But again, there is a free version if you want to test it out and just kind of see if it works for you. And you can also track some stuff within this as well. So anyways, I think this is something, you know, I'm not a very good meditator. Meditator, and I, I feel like I just don't have any time to meditate. But I do kind of want to try this because I've heard wonderful things about meditation, and I feel like it could be a really good thing to start my day off with. So, just wanted to ask you guys what you think. So, Kristen, let's start with you. What do you What do you think of this app? Oh well, not only am I downloading it, but my husband is because you know <laughs> I I obviously have chaos throughout my day. I work from home. I have three kids, including a special needs child. My my day is just chaos, right? And then, so when I'm at the end of the day and I'm like, you know, at the height of my stress and, you know, my exhaustion is at its peak and then he's coming home to that after he's had a long day and he sat in traffic for two hours, I think, I think we both need it. I think it would make everyone happier. So I'm going to download it on my phone and give it a go and, uh, you know, do that for him as well. Maybe he can listen to it on the way home so that when we reconnect at the end of the day, it's, it's more peaceful for everybody. So we'll see. I'll let you know how it goes. All right. All right. Looking forward to that. And Priya, I know you know apps. You have your own app. So what do you think? Well, I just downloaded it and I'm excited to actually try it out because, you know, I've been trying to meditate for a long time as an entrepreneur. I'm, I work 24 seven, you know, right. I'm always, you know, my mind's always going. And I actually tried an hour ago, hour, a couple days ago, but my plan was to do it every day. And of course it, it didn't happen. So maybe this will help out a little <laughs> bit, but I like the feature so far. It looks very um, easy to use and it's a great interface. Yeah, it's very calming, very calming. Nina, what do you think? I really love the idea of meditating, but I, my mind just wanders and wanders. So I, I enjoy guided meditation. I, when I was really, really stressed, it was actually hard for me to do it because it was hard for me to like calm my body and my mind down enough. So I had an app. I was actually trying to find it. It was very similar to this. This one looks a hundred times better than the one I had, but it helped me because I would focus on listening to the guided meditation um, instead of just the sounds and that would help calm me. So I like this app. Yeah, I think it's um, it's put together really nicely. The images are beautiful and you know, I'm with you, Nina. I don't know that I could just meditate by myself. That's why I really like this idea of a guided meditation because I really don't know what to do. I would start thinking about my grocery list or oh, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the guided meditations, I think, is something that I could definitely take advantage of. So, yeah, so we'll include a link on our website to this and promote it a little bit so you guys can check it out if you want. It is free initially. And then if you want to continue using the service and download some of the other sceneries and stuff like that, uh, the month to month is $9.99 or you can pay a year in advance and then it's $39.99.
Movies is proud to partner with the Postpartum Health Alliance for a new series focusing on delayed postpartum depression. Our expert is Gretchen Malios, licensed clinical social worker and board president of the Postpartum Health Alliance. Thank you for joining us, Gretchen, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled that we're going to have this conversation today. It's always nice to have you on. You have such good information. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, Gretchen, can you please explain why our expectations surrounding our postpartum time could be related to postpartum depression? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm actually also excited for us to then move the conversation to our guest panelists too, because they already had some great comments and thoughts around their insights in this experience. But in my view, so I, I work in a practice and I see and work with a lot of pregnant and postpartum parents. And what I've come to notice over time is that one, as we, as you guys have already shared in the last episode, postpartum depression and anxiety is extremely common and many moms aren't talking about it. And then when you add on, when we sort of look at, well, how do expectations play a role? I think the reason for that is that we have this kind of unspoken idea. Sometimes it's spoken, but a lot of times the deeper layers of our expectations of ourselves as parents aren't really spoken about or known to us. And we can really only have a conversation with ourselves or our partner about something if we're aware of it. And so when we head into parenthood, we look at the expectations of sort of, well, which crib are we going to buy? Where's the baby going to sleep? What's my work schedule going to be? We look at these very external kinds of expectations, but there's a whole internal experience that we can't even know we're going to have. And yet it, it plays a role in our satisfaction. And so unidentified and identified expectations when they're not met because nothing turns out as we expect it to be can really undermine a person's sense of self. I mean, how many times have you heard a parent say, oh, that birth went exactly as I planned, right? Or <laughs> never, never. Body <laughs> training has just been right on schedule, right? <laughs> Except like on Facebook, you know, or, right. or social media. It looks like everything's perfect for everybody except you. you know? Exactly, exactly. And that truly is, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't want to be too negative, but it's, it's fiction. And so expectations play a role in that we have an idea of ourselves before we've even stepped into the role. And then, of course, we're not going to meet that expectation. And that can really undermine someone's sense of self, sense of confidence, their orientation to the whole experience. And how do you think most women develop their idea of what parenting is going to look like? Well, I think... What I find is that most women have their ideas of what their parenthood will look like through their own experiences um, when they were growing up, through their family formation. Maybe they have siblings or aunts or uncles or cousins that are having families, or maybe they have close friends or relatives that are already raising children. So I think initially, we sort of form our ideas of what kind of parent we're going to be, either to be in alignment with what we've experienced or what we're seeing, or actually in contrast to what we've experienced or what we're seeing. And so if a parent grew up in a family with a certain approach to discipline or food or, or lifestyle, people either choose that or orient away from that. And that's, yeah. that's often fairly known to people. I'm going to parent like my mom, or I'm not going to parent like my mom. That's often fairly known to people. But what also plays a huge role, and we all know this, and I think we want to keep talking about this, is that social media, social media and the general media, magazine covers, photos, glossies, those all really play a heavy role in how we see ourselves as what we're supposed to be. Right. And do you think these are conversations that parents are having with each other before their baby comes? 
I think many parents do talk about their expectations or some part of the expectations with one another in advance. But like I said before, we can only talk about what we're aware of. So we're, we're often very aware of the external and the material. Actually, I think that review of the app is a great example. So it's really our minds have a much easier time working with something concrete like a grocery list rather than something very unconcrete and sort of inaccessible like an open mind right? A sort of a calm mind. That's, that's a concept. That's a state. That's not a thing. And so I think parents talk about the expectations of parenthood together through the very concrete of like, what will our job schedule be? What will our childcare sharing be? Um, will the baby sleep in our room or the other room? I don't think they often um, know, especially before their first time parenting, the sort of the inner world an inner identity formation that's going to come along. And so they, since they're not aware of that and they don't know that that's going to come online, they don't talk about that as an expectation. You know, what am I going to do when I struggle with the conflict between my daughter's temperament and me? They don't know that's going to happen. No, no. Um, so I think they talk about the expectations that they can tangibly see, but it's not possible to talk about the ones they can't foresee unless they're going through like a guided parent preparation group or workshop to help them start to look at those things. Right. Ask the tough questions. Yeah. 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 And to our parents, what kind of, uh, before your baby was born, what kind of parent did you envision yourself as? I have always loved kids. I was a teacher. I think I was, I just thought, oh, I've got this, you know, I got to get a crib and I've got just exactly what you were saying, like all those external preparations. And I, I really just was completely naive and didn't have any idea what was about to happen. And I think like even when people would talk about sleep deprivation and things like, you know, emergency C-sections or not being able to breastfeed, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to hear that. I don't think because I thought, oh, well, that won't happen to me. I've got this. Well, I didn't have that. It, it, it was completely different than what I thought it would be. And, um, starting with the emergency C-section all the way into the reality of just being a mom, it was not easy. And I was not the mom that I wanted to be. That was really hard. Yeah. So, so for me, so, you know, I, I spoke about my daughter before, but my expectation, so I have three children. My oldest, my oldest son is not, he's now going to be turning 14 this year, but he, before he was born, you know, you read all the books, you're getting a lot of advice from people, everything's so beautiful and great. But during pregnancy with him, I found out that um, he had a kidney deformity. It's called hydronephrosis and he had to have surgery eight months after he was born and he was on amoxicillin for a whole year. So I had spent a lot of time wondering what was going to happen. And then when he was born, uh, you know, all those expectations, of course, went completely went out the door. And I had to now deal with a child that could possibly be extremely sick, you know, from this kidney um, issue that he had. Um, but, you know, once the surgery was over and he was healing, um, his, you know, immune system was still suffering the amoxicillin, but he, um, he healed pretty well. So, you know, all that experience from him really traumatized me. So when I had my daughter, she actually had traces of the hydronephrosis in her kidney and utero. You know, I kind of felt like, you know, sometimes medicine knows too much. <laughs> yeah, on top of, you know, planning the wedding. And they thought that she might have Down syndrome because I had extra water. And then they found something with her heart. And, I came home after finding out all this, you know, and it was 18 months. I had 
had Jaden and then I got pregnant with Ava and I had Ava 18 months back to back pretty much. So it was extremely stressful. You know, I came home and I was crying and sobbing at the top of the stairs. Like, you know, all these expectations I had about being a mom and being pregnant and how beautiful these pregnancies were supposed to be. And now I'm dealing with these life or death situations. Like, you know, what's going to happen to my child? How are they going to grow up? Now I might have a special needs child on my hands. And then the doctor's telling me when I was six months, you know, you, you get that needle injection. I forgot the name of it, but they're like, okay, we need to find out. There's a risk that you might lose the baby if you get the needle. And if you have, you find out that the baby really has Down syndrome, you, you can, you know, abort at six months. I'm like, what are you crazy? I'm not doing that now. <laughs> and I had faith that she was going to turn out okay. And, you know, um, there's a poem for children with Down, Down syndrome. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, like you expect to land in Italy, but instead of you, you land in Holland. And that whole time, you know, it's, it's same thing with expectations. You expect Italy, <laughs> but there's that chance you might land in Holland. But, you know, she came out perfect. I stuck to my guns. I stuck. To, I was faithful during the whole time. Like she's going to be fine. And she came out, she came out perfect. But then there was all that stress coupled over the last couple of years and the wedding. And, you know, it was just, wow. yeah. <laughs> so going back to answer question, you know, my expectations, how I envisioned myself was completely different from what I had to experience at the end of the day. And Gretchen, can you explain the difference between overt and covert expectations we may have of ourselves and our partners? Yeah, um, that's such an important and nuanced question. I really appreciate that. Because like I was saying earlier, you know, we, we have a much easier time creating expectations around the concrete, our method of feeding, our where we're going to have our baby, where we're going to sleep, etc. But as I said, you know, we don't know how parenting is going to test our identity and our emotional experience until it actually happens. And so, for instance, I work with many parents who eventually become very committed and active in promoting their child's sense of security. So after the baby's here and as the baby starts to kind of move into that five, six, eight-month-old, one-year-old, they start to be really focused, particularly for moms, on whether or not their child is feeling secure in the world, whether or not they're they're feeling validated and heard and listened to. And I think without getting too political, I think there's a real reason that moms go through this. And I think it has to do with the way women are raised and treated in our society. Between the mother and the father, there, there's a far greater likelihood that the mother is going to be concerned about problems of not being heard or validated, right? Women are much more likely to have had experiences of being silenced or invalidated um, than men. So here's this covert or unconscious experience that no woman would have anticipated until she has a baby in the world and starts looking at every one of her transactions with the baby. Did I make that baby feel secure and connected? Does he know I love him? You know, was, was I good enough? Was I caring enough? And yet we have to set limits with our babies. So we're trying to make them feel validated and connected, and yet we're keeping them safe and we're saying no and we're, we're sort of putting up barriers and boundaries. And it's this real dilemma. So I think the overt and the covert is really about my expectation of how I'm going to live, what car seat I'm going to use, how long I'm not going to work or going to work, et cetera, like I said before. And then the covert are these identity developments that come online as the baby starts to mature and the parent is put in the role of creating a child's identity. And that causes them to go back and take a look at their own identity and their own story. So that's what I really think is at the heart of, of the difference between overt and covert. Does that make sense? Does that feel like it? Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. 
Yeah. And what happens when those expectations go unmet? I know. It's, it's a tough question. No, it's, <laughs> it's so important. My, my mind is flooding right now with the stories and the image of the moms that I've worked with right. um, who are suffering deeply and looking at me with these sad eyes. And what it takes some time for us to uncover is how much self-criticism she's living under, how much pain she's living under, and she doesn't know why. And as we develop that relationship and we give space, she eventually can feel safe enough to name how, how much of a disappointment she is to herself. And I'm looking at this remarkable committed person and seeing how irrational the disappointment is, but that's not relevant. It's her experience. Right. So what I find happens when we have expectations of ourselves that we cannot meet, let's say breastfeeding didn't work. Let's say we had a financial crisis and and our job security changed and we had to go back Um, or we had to use group care instead of a nanny, or it turns out our partner really believes in a different way of limit setting than we do. And there's a real strife at home. When we can't create the environment that we unconsciously thought we were going to create, it creates a real sense of confusion. And that can, if if there's no space to work that out, that can really begin to erode a mother's sense of confidence and clarity. And either she's going to kind of go sad in that or become agitated and angry and possibly anxious in that if it doesn't move itself out. So, you know, if I can't meet my own expectations, I'm going to start getting rigid with the world to make sure that I can force it to be what I needed it to be. And that creates tension or she directs the suffering or the disappointment towards herself and she erodes herself. And either way, it's uncomfortable and it undermines her real value as a, as a mother. It undermines her sense of really accepting herself and being compassionate and saying, hey, I just, I can't do what I thought I was going to do, but what am I doing? What am I doing right? How, how remarkable is my, my ability to adapt? Wow, look what I did when I couldn't put my baby into have a nanny come to home and I had to go into group care. Look how I handled that. And I looked for a really good environment. And look how much I troubleshooted. That isn't available to her when she's suffering. I think it's only available to her when some, she's with someone who can reflect that to her. Well, thank you for that. I know we're going to touch on mom guilt when we get back from our break. So when we come back, we will continue our discussion about postpartum parenting and postpartum expectations. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with licensed clinical social worker, Gretchen Malios. Gretchen, what are some of the inherent setups which may lead a mom to feeling as though she may have failed and feeling that mom guilt? So that's a great question. I find that the inherent setups are often to do with this sort of gap between the story she told herself she was going to be and which often aligns with kind of what she's seen out in the world. Like, oh, look at those moms. They had a C-section, but now they're out at their exercise group and they're doing just fine. So that's what I should be doing. Or, you know, particularly with parents with, with special needs or sensitivities, there's many more children in the world these days that are, that have special needs and nuances. And I think it has to do with what, like, like someone said earlier, medicine, our ability to identify things. Regardless, most importantly, parenting is not smooth. We don't picture ourselves parenting a strong-willed child. We picture ourselves parenting a a docile, sweet, compliant child. (laughs) So when we're the one, and I can relate to this, when we're the one at the parent gathering or the the little mom sing-along, and we're the one with a child who just is screaming bloody murder, that feels 
bad because that is not on the Facebook posts and in the on the magazine covers. So I think the real inherent setup is the gap between the image in our head and the reality and the blame we put on ourselves that I must be doing something wrong. When it's not that we're doing something wrong, it's just our reality is different than what we expected. And to our parents, do you recall any specific instances where you felt that mom guilt? So I've had quite a number of years of mom guilt in different ways. And it's funny because, you know, when my kids were were small and all the situations that we went through with them, and I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So, you know, after planning the wedding and, you know, starting businesses and stuff like that, I had a lot of mom guilt um, because, you know, there might have been times where, you know, so my oldest has ADHD. Did I cause him to be like that, you know, with all my planning and all the business that I was doing and I had to be out of the house. And thankfully my husband was helping me. Was he failing in school because I was not as present as I should have been? Or, you know, even to this day <laughs> where his report card's not that great. And yesterday we actually got, got it back. You know, what is it my fault? Is it still my fault at this point? You know, and we've tried all the, all the things that we could have done for him. So there's, you know, you go through different stages of mom's mom guilt. And, you know, I've definitely been been through the ringer with my kids. It doesn't stop. I don't think mom guilt stops. It continues until they get older. No, No. and you know what? I I really appreciate you being so candid about it because to be honest, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I am a lot of the time a single parent because my husband's in the military. He's gone a lot. We have three very high needs children. I have an ADHD child. And I also have a very special needs child with both mental and physical issues. So it's really hard to be the primary care provider or sometimes the only care provider. And the pressure of making these people into functional human beings is tremendous. And to be the only person the majority of the time that's influencing that, it's just really scary to go to bed with yourself at the end of the night and go, wow, I really screwed up today. (laughs) But you're doing the best you can. Yeah. It's really hard not to do that. Yeah. So Nina, do you want to share? For me, I think it started, like I said, I had an emergency C-section. I had this perfect um, birth plan that I now tell people just don't even make a birth plan. Um, But, and then I wasn't able to breastfeed and um, I was absolutely going to breastfeed. That was going to happen. And we ended up getting Noah to be able to breastfeed, uh, to feed eventually. Um, But I think that that started it. And then with the C-section, I didn't quite understand the fact that I had had abdominal surgery. So the Noah would cry and I would jump up because I I need to go to my baby. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um, That was a really bad idea. So the recovery from the C-section was longer than it should have been because I would try to be super mom. And I think that it just kept going like that. I would cry constantly in my car and I couldn't tell anybody because I already thought that I was really a bad mom and a failure and all those things. And I couldn't, I didn't want other people to think that too. I thought I was the only person that had ever in the whole wide world thought these thoughts. So Gretchen, what are some of the personality risk factors or environmental risk factors for expectations leading to a perinatal mood disorder or delayed postpartum depression? In my experience, and granted, I'm, I'm coming from this perspective of seeing people in a, in a therapeutic setting, so there's probably much milder scenarios that can contribute to this, but I'm just going to talk about 
what I often see is that many of the moms who have a deep sense of pain or struggle around this often grew up in families where they felt criticized or sometimes were made to feel afraid or somehow learned that they were responsible for other people's feelings. Like, you know, these are the fixers. And even if they came, came from a very supportive family, these are people who often are just very in tune with other people's needs. And so their expectations of themselves to meet other people's needs at all times, and particularly a newborn, can become very demanding. And so since we're not going to be able to meet all of our preconceived ideas and expectations, at some point, it starts to erode their sense of self and their and their worth and their expectations. So it's the reason that I love and recommend, if you haven't already listened to them, people like Brene Brown, Glennon of Momastery fame, and Kristen Neff, and these folks who talk about self-compassion and kindness towards ourselves so that we can start to lower the harshness that we direct towards ourselves as moms. So it's not such a painful experience. And what are some of the changes our listeners can make to life with baby to make it more enjoyable and to be present with their children? You know, honestly, and this is why I'm so grateful for what New Mommy Media is doing. I hope simply by hearing this conversation, it affirms some of their experience and they'll be able to start to self-assess a little, wow, am I judging myself that things didn't go the way I pictured they were going to go? So I really hope that simply these kinds of conversations, the articles that are getting shared around social media that are more compassionate about the, the motherhood experience will start to get them to start directing a little more gentleness and awareness towards themselves. But something that was said earlier, and and I think it comes up repeatedly, because there's no way to know that we're going to have a different birth than we expected, or we're going to have a different breastfeeding experience, etc. Since we can't possibly know that it's going to turn out that way. And quite honestly, if you anticipated, oh, I bet everything's going to go wrong. That's its own diagnostic problem. You know, if you're anticipating motherhood and you see the whole thing going badly, that's its own form of suffering. So we're not making a mistake by not expecting that it's going to be difficult. Um, but because we can't tell where the difficulties are going to be, I highly recommend finding online or in-person mother communities so that we can stay connected and have a place, a sounding board to say what's been hard, to say what's working, to hear another person's experience so that we can have a place where we ride the storm. And then if despite trying to do that, it doesn't work and we're really kind of slipping under, I, I think it's really important to talk with a professional to make sure there's not something more, more intense going on that's going to get in your way. Well, thank you so much, Gretchen, and our wonderful parents for participating in our second installment of Delayed Postpartum Depression Expectations. And for our Newbies Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show, as Gretchen will share how our birth experiences can challenge our idea of ourselves as parents and how to heal from these wounds when our expectations go unmet. For more information about the Newbies Club, please visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Okay, so before we wrap up our conversation today, we do like to read mail, and we don't get physical mail, right? That's like snail mail. That's like a million years ago. But email that you guys send us, or if you happen to post something on our Facebook page, or if you tweet us or something like that, I like to share those on the show because we really do appreciate it. We love hearing from the listeners. And so this was a comment that was made on our Facebook page, and it was from Mama. Her name is Allison Bone. And what I love about 
this. Every time we release a new episode, I always promote it on our Facebook page. So this was actually a comment that she made after listening to our episode that we released on Newbies about your first period or first couple periods, I guess I should say, after having a baby. And so this is what Allison wrote. She said, this was a very helpful episode as I'm about eight weeks from my due date. I think having this information in mind will help me to be less anxious about the timing of everything, as well as knowing that each woman is different. So that's kind of what we talked about in the episode was that, hey, it can vary for everybody, you know, you know, and we talked a little bit about how breastfeeding impacts all of that as well. And so we had parents on that had very different experiences. And I think that that's really what Allison is talking about there. So Allison, thanks so much for, for posting about this. I, again, we, we just love to hear that we're, we're doing good and we're impacting moms in a positive way. If you guys have a comment about an episode, you can certainly email us or again on our, our Facebook page. So if you haven't liked the newbies Facebook page, then please do that. And then, you know, you'll get all of our updates. And um, when you like something, uh, share it with a friend, uh, send us a little note, all of that does wonders and helping us produce more of these shows for you guys. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. And don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Parent Savers for Moms and Dads with Toddlers, The Boob Group for Moms Who Provide Breast Milk to Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Parents and Multiples. So thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media Production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.